0: Welcome to the LBC podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for building up of God's family. My name is Chris Moore, the Children's Ministry Director at LBC,
1: and this is John Harrell, the Worship Director at LBC.
0: Dude, so I'm super pumped that we are in here together, John. So me too. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> so I was just thinking the other day about just missing uh, doing worship in the adult service. And oh, I know. I know. I was like, I miss John. But then I realized, like, I work down the hall from you and I get to see you every day.
1: It's pretty special. It is. At least two or three times a week, we get a very special bro hug. We do. That's that's, it's it's very good for my soul.
0: Good. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, it's pretty cool to work with a awesome team of people that love Jesus, passionate about what they do. And I think we get along really well. So we do. It's It's a lot a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Today, we're going to continue our series of creating a media safe home. So a couple of weeks ago, we did the first series or lesson on this and that we really were focusing on teenagers and how to address the use of media and particularly cell phones with teenagers. But today we're really going to talk about what that looks like with our little ones. So we're talking about kiddos birth up through sixth grade. How do we navigate the use of media how do we lead our, our family and protect them in a lot of ways with the use of media? Mm-hmm. So buckle up if you're driving or grab a cup of Joe, if <laughs> non-moving location. So we don't want you drinking coffee and driving and looking at your phone. We want you to enjoy this and not get hurt. So
1: Yeah, LBC people obey all the traffic laws. <laughs> yeah,
0: we want you to do that. So when we get started, we also want to tell you that John and I are like in the thick of this. Mm -hmm. So I have an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a five-year-old, and we're we're trying to figure out what that looks like in our home. And John, I think you guys are right in there with us. We're
1: right in there with you guys. We have a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a four-year-old. Yeah. So we've got the full spectrum of physically needy kids all the way up to very emotionally needy kids. Yeah. (laughs) So it's uh, always a challenge, but always keeps us on our toes, right?
0: It does. It does. Which makes parenting fun. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what we want to talk about first is what are the problems? What are the risks that are inherent with our children being exposed to media and screens? And the first thing we really wanted to talk about is a psychology today article that highlights the negative effects that screen time has on children. And so this article is really an accumulation of a bunch of studies that have been done recently over the last few years about how screen time affects our children. So John and I both have some of those findings from that article. And I just, I'll start off with reading just a couple of the negative consequences or negative impacts of when kids have an excessive exposure to screen time. And this includes TV, iPads, computers, um, smartphones, et cetera. It's anything that has a screen. So they highlight some social and emotional effects. And some of them that they list are an increase in stress, uh, an increase in time to complete tasks, Increase in anxiety with no access to electronics. So these are kiddos that are, they feel like they got to have that screen time.
1: Right.
0: Increase in impulsivity, decrease in emotional regulation, and then decrease in ability to recognize facial emotions and nonverbal cues. So this is just some of the stuff they're finding in these studies. And and keep in mind these are not. Uh, this is not a Christian study. These are studies being performed by psychologists, by universities, um, really presenting some objective evidence Mm -hmm. to excessive screen time. Um, So that's that's some of the things that they're seeing.
1: Yeah, and on the neurological side of things, um, what we're finding and what psychologists are finding now is that uh, kids are actually experiencing a dopamine release, um, which leads to, if if anyone out there is familiar with dopamine, um, that leads to an increase in pleasure, which usually leads to addiction. Mm -hmm. So um, kids can actually experience a release of dopamine by using screens and playing games and all of these sorts of things. They can kind of rewire their brains to get a reward, so to speak, just from spending time on screens, which leads to addiction. We see that in all sorts of other ways. Um, I think we'll get into that later, but um, that's kind of a shocking one that I don't think a lot of people necessarily realize, but that science is currently finding these things out. There's also... Um, A chronic need that develops for stimulation and instant gratification. If you notice, kids are impatient, period. Right. But there is an increase in impatience, actually, in children who uh, have too much time on the screens. Um, That also leads to a decrease in focus and a very, very short attention span, shorter than the average of what (laughs) we've seen in the past. Because, again, kids have short attention spans as they are, but... (laughs) Like, um, it also leads to sleep deprivation, poor sleep, um, getting kids getting less sleep, which leads to the emotional things that you just mentioned, like mm-hmm. heightened anxiety and stress and all of these other things. And so, and it can also lead to just overall sensory overload where kids can literally kind of break down under sensory overload of just too much screen time and their brains can't handle it.
0: Yeah. 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 And so we, uh, there's a lot more good information in that article. And, uh, so I'd encourage you to just Google search, uh, psychology today and it's called the impact on kids and parenting screen time. Um, you know, there's a lot of other things there's impacts on parenting and then there's also some physical observable changes in the structure of the brain that they've been able to, to, to look at too. So all things that you need to think about when we're, when we're thinking about screen time for our kids. So another reason why we need to be concerned is that technologies are replacing experiences. Not only does exposure to screens negatively affect children's minds and behaviors, but the technologies that are, they're exposed to are creating the problem. So Richard Freed is the author of the book, wired child reclaiming childhood in the digital age. And he says, the problem is our kids extreme overuse of entertainment technologies that is displacing the experiences that are fundamental to a strong mind in a happy, successful life. Mm-hmm. The excitement, we talked about the dopamine releases yeah. um, that a child experiences with screens and media is replacing the natural life experiences that produce deeper satisfaction and joy. Um, and these technologies ex- experience, are, they're short-lived spikes. You get that dopamine spike and then it's done. Right. It, it leaves you wanting more.
1: You just got to keep chasing that feeling and that experience. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, and this is why our children are probably feeling a little bit more unsatisfied. So when I think about that, I mean, this for us, John, these, these are new experiences because we didn't have, I mean, I think back, I had Nintendo, (laughs) right. And, and I remember I, when I, if, if my dad came home from work and I was inside the house, his first response was get outside, go find (laughs) something to do. Right. And it was building jumps out in the fields, right. building tumbleweed forts. I mean, we were outside <laughs> bonding with our friends and um we just didn't we didn't have this when we were kids, so it's No. Just-
1: yeah, we are. Well, you and I, Chris, are in this very unique generation where our our lives right now are split right down the middle. Half of our life, and I mean that pretty much half of our life, literally, yeah, was spent without internet access, without cell phones in our hands without anything instant. I mean, if we were researching anything for school, we hoped our parents could afford an encyclopedia, right. so we could go look it up ourselves, yeah. or you had to, you know, go to the library, God forbid, <laughs> and <laughs> attempt to the Dewey decimal system. Right. Um, you know, things that are largely gone now. I mean, um, our lives are split that way. That was our childhood, and our adulthood has been nothing but social media, hearing everyone's opinions on everything right now all the time Mm -hmm. having instant information too much information now information we can't even trust um at our fingertips all the time i mean it's two completely different worlds that we've been living in with um how quickly technology has changed even in the last 20 years and so it is a very unique unique experience i didn't grow up i didn't have the bakersfield experience so i don't know what a (laughs) tumbleweed fort is um sounds sounds itchy. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't know but, why we did uh, it.
1: You know, growing up, I uh, spent 9 years in Mississippi and that was it. I mean, I had to find my own fun. Yeah. And and as a kid, I wasn't sad. I loved it. Yeah. You know, every stick was a gun or a sword and my sister hated me cuz I was always, you know, doing things to her toy, but like uh, you know, and then when I got older and we moved to Ohio, California, yeah. I mean, it was pretty much spent sometimes playing Nintendo, but if we if I wasn't doing that in my room, with friends, then it was riding our bikes into town and feeling that, that feeling of independence of being Mm -hmm. away from our parents for a day during the summer and just riding our bikes around town and trying not to get in trouble. And yeah, you know, it was a very different existence than what we see today and uh, not a lot of the same struggles with technology as we have today.
0: Yeah. Another thing to think about too, is the aggressive marketing to children. Um, It should Mm. make us rethink our children's exposure to media and the screen. So October 11th in the New York times, there was an article that was titled Netflix goes all out to wow children as streaming wars intensify. Mm -hmm. And there was a quote in there that really stuck out to me. And it says, Netflix has been a force in children's entertainment for years. It's usefulness as a digital babysitter, helping it grow in it into a streaming behemoth with 152 million subscribers worldwide. And I thought about that phrase digital babysitter and it made me think about how many times have I worn out, plop my kids in front of the TV and turn on Netflix and we just geeked out for hours because I was tired. And some of those nights when I was working at Chevron before I came on staff, there was days I was wiped out. Like Mm -hmm. Heather may have had a meeting at church on, on a Monday night and I'd turn on Netflix and I'd fall asleep on the couch. Right. I mean, I was with them, but. I had nothing in the tank. Um, I've done that, so I don't know, John. I don't know if if that's something you've are familiar with, but
1: we can go to the next question. If <laughs> you want. No. Um, yes, absolutely. I am absolutely guilty of that. Uh, Kristen and I both we laugh sometimes because there are days that shall not be mentioned in our <laughs> parenting careers. Um, in terms of just yeah, we want to get things done around the house or. We got things to do and and rather than there have been those days where rather than inviting the kids in because we knew it would, you know, either a, they were just going to complain because they didn't have a screen in front of them or b it would get done really inefficiently because the kids slow everything down on our projects. Right. Or they might mess it up. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Then we would rather just, you know, let the digital babysitter take over. Right. So that we can get the important things done around the house. Yeah. Without recognizing, you know what, if we were really on our game and if we were really able to set all of our selfishness aside, man, what an opportunity, even if our kids do cry and moan the whole way through it, what an opportunity for us to be able to spend time together as a family to teach our kids something, to allow them to take ownership of something around the the home. And yeah, there have been many occasions where Netflix or, you know, whatever, you know, what kind of babysat our kids while we got, quote, important things done. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's definitely not. I don't think I don't think that's God's plan at all. That's something that we've had to repent of quite a few times in our home.
0: Big reason we need to take extreme caution is that there's easy access to pornography. Yep. And we talked about this in episode seven. A smartphone is a supercomputer in your pocket and mm-hmm. you have access to the entire world. Um, and with it comes easy. And yes, it is easy to access pornography data. We saw it's been floating around for a while, but they're saying the average age of um, a person being exposed to pornography is 11 years old. And when you think about average, that means that there's kids that have seen it younger and some that are, their first exposure was older. But, and I've heard stories of men being exposed when they were eight. Mm -hmm. And these are men that they're now older And they didn't have access to what we have now. So imagine with our kids now, it's just too easy to get to um, from our phones and tablets.
1: Yeah. And and even in in our culture today where pornography is so rampant, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be looking for it. I think that's the important thing for all parents to understand is that the vast majority of kids being exposed, it's either through a friend at school who has a phone or um, it's just something that they happen to stumble upon. It's, it is that simple. It's, it, you don't have to be looking for it in order to find it. And, you know, I also, I just want to point this out. Um, let's not get into the conversation of what constitutes pornography.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I hate that conversation. Yeah. You know, some people say, well, it's not pornography because she's wearing a bathing suit. It's not pornography because no, anything that causes you to lust, anything that causes you, uh, you know, to, <laughs> that causes something to stir within you, um, that is not holy, that is not of God that causes you to look lustfully at another, mm-hmm. uh, can we just call that for what it is? That's sin. Mm. You know, that is sin within our hearts and it is to be avoided at all cost We're yeah. to cut that out of our lives. Uh, and so it's just important for parents to understand, you know, um, man. Yeah. Like our kids are so, it's just everywhere. I mean, kids don't have to be looking for it in order for it to find them. Right. And, um, that's so important to understand as well. And cause this is setting them up for a whole lot of struggle in life if we're not careful. And if we're not guarding um, diligently, our, our our children's hearts and
0: minds. Right. Yeah. So, kind of the final kind of thing we want to think through when we think about media and is that uh, we as parents we're pressured, um, and I haven't quite felt it yet, but I think John, just in our previous conversations, I mm-hmm. think you, you're feeling that. But <laughs> there's pressure from our children. There's pressure from peers. There's pressure from our culture to allow our children to you know, either have a phone. I know for mm-hmm. a lot of parents, and I've talked to a lot of people here at church that when is it okay to give my kid a phone? Like, I don't really want to give them a phone, but all their friends have a phone. And man, I, I really want to be able to get in touch with them because what happens at, at school and I need to reach them. All those reasons uh, you know, next door neighbors, the Joneses—they've all got phones, and they seem to be doing fine. I should you know, maybe it's okay if my parents or my kiddos have phones, but I mean, in your experience, John, what, what kind of where are you at with your family as far as that pressure that you you might be feeling?
1: Yeah, none of our kids have a phone yet, so to speak, but the pressure is there. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's it, you know, and they come by it honestly because it is true. You know, most of their friends have phones. Most of their friends are you know out, and it's this feeling of independence. It's almost like it's almost the same. It feels almost the same as, you know, when your friends turn 16 and they get their driver's license and they got the keys to a car and they got all this freedom all of a sudden. And they have all this responsibility and they feel big and they feel responsible. You know, it, it kind of feels that same way. Like there's almost that same weight where that, you know, so there's a ton of pressure put on us as parents by our own kids, primarily our, our oldest two, if they're listening, <laughs> you're pressuring me, uh, but Um, there is a lot of pressure, but honestly, I, I think a big part of that pressure, they come by it honestly, because all of their friends pressure them in that, in that way as well. Just, that's just the way kids are wired. You know, they always want to be like the other kids and they don't want to get left behind and they don't want, they have that fear of missing out, you know, whatever that looks like, but it is true. You can also face that pressure from, from one another. Sometimes some of the worst people, um, that can demoralize parents the most are other parents, Mm -hmm. you know, because you do things one way in your home and therefore everybody else should do the same thing because it worked really great in your home. It's up to us as parents to know our children, not somebody else's children. Right. And so, you know, Kristen and I have worked really hard to look at our children, stop listening and looking at what everybody else is doing because quite frankly, those children are not our responsibility. God gave us these children. So as we look at our boys right now, uh, you know, one's almost 14, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. another one just turned 12 and they're all about it right now. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, it's it's that constant question. When am I going to get a phone? When am I going to get a phone? And, you know, we keep telling them the same thing. Well, you know, this that's a major responsibility. I don't think you're ready for it yet. We've had these honest conversations with them. That's good. That it's a major responsibility in your life. And I don't think that you're quite ready for it yet. Um, you know, there are certain things that we're looking for in them, certain characteristics that will make it worthwhile to finally put this in their hands. And it's not that phones are bad. It's not that media is bad. It's not that electronics are bad. These are tools mm-hmm. and they're good tools. They're useful for a variety of different reasons when it's used in the right way, but we have to train our children to use it in the right way. And so the timing of that, of when you give your kid a phone and teach them how to use it, that varies from child to child based on their ability to handle responsibility based on their ability to be trusted and proven trust that they've shown you. Right. Um, I mean, there's a whole host of factors, but only, you know, your children the best. I think the point is here as parents um, don't look at the rest of the world around you, but parent the way that God has called you to parent and don't parent like other people's parent, their kids, you parent, how God convicts you to parent your child period. Cause that's the one that God has given to you. And God has spoken
0: to that. Yeah, he has. And that's what we're going to get to next is uh, our culture. Isn't any different than what, what has been experienced in the past. That's true. There's, There's nothing th- new under the sun,
1: nothing new under the sun you know and, and it is it is fascinating my my father has told me uh you know i i am so glad that i don't have to parent today mm. i've heard that from him but you know i i as i think about it i'll probably say the same thing to my kids probably uh you know my my grandfather probably said the same thing to my father and on and on and on and on and on because culture changes when we look at scripture when we look at god's word it grounds us and reminds us There is nothing new under the sun. God is not taken by surprise, even though we are all the time.
0: Genesis 18. And we recently covered this in Sunday school. So this is uh, the account of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's also the well-known discussion that Abraham has with God about, are you going to destroy these cities if there's, you know, counting down the number of righteous people that live in this city or in Sodom and Gomorrah? Um, But before they have that discussion, we go to verses 17 through 19 And the Lord's saying, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised. Right before he is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, they have this conversation. He's saying... Part of the purpose of this destruction is that Abraham wants to use this to teach his children about righteousness and justice. So there's a command right there that Abraham is to teach his children righteousness and justice. And this is not a happy time. This is not a bright moment in human history. (laughs) If we say that we are in a really bad time in in human history, there's been a lot of other ones. Mm -hmm. And we go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Uh, God gives this to Moses to deliver to the nation of Israel when they were in the wilderness. So they're being punished for their unbelief. Mm -hmm near the end of his life before they're going to go into the promised land. But he chooses to tell them this at this time, the sin of the previous generations is still fresh in their minds. And Moses is going to give them clear commands from the Lord. Um, And he's saying it should be on your heart and then teach it to your children. So we have a priority to make sure that we love the Lord with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. And then we teach our children but not a bright moment in Israel's history then either.
1: Yeah, no, I, I just got done uh, last night, actually speaking with the high schoolers on Daniel chapter six. And what's so fascinating about the book of Daniel, about all of the narrative in there is you have Daniel, who as a very young man is taken away in the exile. Not a good point in Israel's history. <laughs> not yeah. a good time. Um, he's taken away in the exile. He's taken to a foreign land, an unbelieving pagan foreign land. Uh, he's stripped of his culture stripped of his identity, stripped of his religion, because he can't go to the temple, he can't worship at the temple, he's stripped of his family, um, he has nothing. And if ever we would think there was an excuse to just blend in with the culture and just survive, do whatever it takes, mm-hmm. it would have been somebody like Daniel or Matt Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those, those guys as well. But as we read through the book of Daniel, you see something totally different. You see that the mandate to worship God has not changed. None of God's rules and laws and decrees have changed. Right. And they understood that. And so at every point of civil disobedience that Daniel shows to the Babylonian Kings, um, he's acknowledging that God is sovereign above all, that God has not changed though. All of his circumstances in his entire life has fallen apart. God has not changed. Um, The mandate to worship God has not changed. And so, it's very I think it's 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 amazing that through Daniel's long life of watching God move and do incredible things Daniel served faithfully under four different kings and all four of those kings at some point wound up pr- singing praises and worship to the God of Israel. Wow. You know, so that's a that's a really powerful testimony to the steadfastness of faith that's expected of God's people it, it witnesses and preaches to the world when we do things differently than the culture where God has called us to be different. Um, you know, that, that preaches, it, it, it really shows that the God that we believe in is real and true.
0: Right. The hope for us, the encouragement is that this is not the time for us to suffer paralysis from analysis. Right. So you may feel ill-equipped. I think as parents, we're all going to feel that way. And the, the good side benefit to that is it forces us to be on our knees. Mm-hmm. It forces us to be in the word. It forces us to, seek out, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, seek out wisdom and counsel from folks at our church. Um, all those resources that God has given us to be successful parent. And so when we think about screen time, the episode seven, we talked about the number of hours that people probably spend on the screens. And there's data saying that, you know, ranging from nine hours to 11 hours, depending on the age of the teenager, um, of exposure to screen time. I would encourage us that let's redeem the time. Ephesians 5, 15 through 70 said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So let us redeem the time. So we talked a lot about what are the risks inherent to screen time. We talked about history um, of... Biblical times, culture—you might be thinking, Chris, John, that's all fine and dandy. So, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> how practically, because we've how got do I it all my... figured out, that's right? right. <laughs> yeah, we're perfect. No, uh, no, not at all. So, the first thing you just want to consider, and we're talking about zero to twelve. This is what this podcast is focused on, and a lot of the data. There's some organizations that are putting out information, and the recommendation is don't give them a tablet or a phone. Um, tablets, maybe a looser. No, because there's more control over that, but definitely not a phone. You might be cringing when you, when we say that because you're, you're maybe you're thinking, well, I already gave my kid a phone. Like, am I going to take it away? And that potentially could be a source of disagreement and fighting at home. And, uh, just hear us out on these practical ways Mm -hmm. that you can help protect your children. One of the ways, if you feel like your, your children need to have a phone because you want to be able to get in touch with them, there's ways you can do that without giving them a smartphone and giving Mm -hmm. them the access to the world. And one is a gizmo gadget, which is actually a watch, which you can call out on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's some other watches that are, they're kind of very similar.
1: Yeah. We, we actually just did this with Jackson. Did you? Yeah. Uh, Jackson's in sixth grade. He, uh, wanted really badly to ride his bike to school because he loves riding his bike everywhere. And we didn't want to say no to that because I, I, you know, it's great to get some exercise. Right. So, (laughs) yeah, you know, but that, that was a major concern. Um, you know, Kristen was the one who brought it up, you know, to say, well, I'm not so comfortable though with him not being able to contact us when he's out and about. And I totally agreed. And it brought up this conversation again. Is it time to get him a watch? And we agreed. No. Right. Right. (laughs) And, uh, we did go with, um, the i believe it's called the camille watch as well same thing yeah it has a sos button if there's an emergency he can dial or he he, there's three programmed numbers in his phone and he loves using it because he calls us on date nights all the time and it's a little annoying but (laughs) it works and you know he doesn't have access to the internet on it Uh, he can't test text message people or strangers um and we can gps watch him i mean we can actually see where he's at anywhere so right. there are these other gadgets where you don't have to get a phone and give him you know access to the internet and the whole world just give him access you know there are things that are out there to help parents just have access to the important numbers the things that they really need
0: right yep and uh just google searching as well i mean there there are phones that don't have data um so mm-hmm. There are options, like John said, um, definitely screen time limits. So whether it's a tablet, whether it's the computer, whether it's your TV, whether it's setting it, you know, digitally on the, the device where that's only going to be on for 30 minutes and shut off or it's we're setting a timer on the microwave for 30 minutes. You need to set some mm-hmm. limits and really reduce the amount of screen time because I mean, the fact is they're on their iPads at school for hours yeah. you know, doing yeah. work. Um, that's true. Let's let's limit that when they come home. Yeah.
1: And then and then also um, just to speak to, uh, you know, because most of us have tablets in the home, maybe ones that you use for work um, that sometimes you can just throw to the kids and the kids will kind of play with it. But um, always try to be aware of all the apps that you yeah. have, um, right. recognizing that there is access to really inappropriate things through very innocent apps, yeah. um, very useful apps, common apps that we use all the time. Um, I think you'd be shocked at how much access there is to the wide open internet Mm -hmm. um, through a lot of those apps. And so, you know, especially apps like YouTube um, you know uh, those are, those are the types of things where, I mean, if you're, we just try to keep it as public as possible. Our boys know they're not supposed to take any of the tablets in their room. Mm -hmm. There's just no reason for that. Right. (laughs) We want to keep everything out in the open, everything in the light. And so, Uh, you know, just be aware if it's tablets that the kids are using um, or tablets that you just have around the house, because you, it's yours. Just be aware before you hand your kid that tablet, know what's on your tablet and what different apps can do. Really educate yourself on those things. And don't be afraid to get rid of apps that you thought were important. Mm. If it potentially can be damaging to your children.
0: Right. Yeah. There's a couple app and screen filtering options. So Kapersky, Kaspersky, safe kids, so that's 14 and that's an app-based filter. So the app's on the device, the app's on your phone, and you can control um, basically what they're able to see from your phone. And then there's uh, something called Circle, and it's Disney cool. Circle or Circle. So that's an actual device in your home that controls and helps manage the, the, uh, the time, the filtering on all of your devices in your house. Yeah. And those range, I think that's $120-ish.
1: It's pretty cool to check yeah. out, yeah.
0: You know, when we talk about the command for us to teach, you know, if if we're going to reduce the amount of screen time, we want to fill that up with something else. We encourage you to spend time with your kiddos. Mm-hmm. And something that, John, you've encouraged me in, and I don't know if you are aware of this, but uh, <laughs> we, we all, all the guys on the worship team a couple of years ago taught a class about family worship, and mm-hmm. there's a little book by uh, Donald Whitney about yeah. family worship. But that really... Change my perspective on what that looks like, but speak to that just for
1: yeah, yeah. Just real briefly, uh, it's it's a tiny little book. I encourage everybody to go out and get it. It's just called Family Worship, <laughs> mm. and it's by Donald Whitney. It's a real quick, easy read. But um, you know, in that he pretty much lays out the historical basis. He points out how we are the weird ones for not initiating family worship. We're the weird generation. Mm. Us and the pretty much the previous three to four generations. Um, have really, you know, family worship has really died off, and it used to be that if a father or a mother did not engage in regular family worship with their children, and teaching their children, praying with their children, reading scriptures with their children, and singing with their children, it was actually a church discipline issue. You could could be cast out of the church, basically, and not allowed back in because of that. It was that taken that seriously. Obviously, that's died off in our culture, (laughs) and it really does need to be recaptured, and so that really inspired it in me um admittedly you know we we're really hit or miss with it even in our home but we do try to come back to it all the time um and so you know there's little there's so many different things you can do um but donald whitney basically just boils it down to three points that anyone can do with their kids anyone and within 10 minutes you right. can do it every night you can do it once a week twice a week um just simply read the word of god together pray together and sing together that's it yeah That's it. And just allow the word of God to do something in your, in your, in your children's hearts, but fill your home with those things. Instead of putting on their favorite TV show or their favorite cartoon, maybe put on a program like planet earth, which you can stream right now through Netflix or any of these places, put that on TV, put the TV on mute and put on worship music in the house. Mm -hmm. You just created an incredible, incredible music video experience for your children. Yeah where they can see the beauty of the cinematography, the beauty of God's creation paired with the worship and and the praises of him Mm. being sung. The two go really well together. (laughs) You know, even that can turn into a worship experience for your kids, whether they're sitting down watching the TV or just walking around the house doing chores. That's a beautiful thing to fill your home with. So be, be cognizant of what you can fill your home with. Um, that always the things that point to God and that point to Jesus consider catechisms at the dinner table. Um, you know, of just question and answer to train your kids' theology. There's, there's a host of different resources yeah. for how you can redeem that time, just yeah. like you said.
0: For somebody that's new to the word catechism, um, I think you just defined what it was, but what... Sim- C-
1: yeah, catechism, if you didn't grow up in the Catholic Church or high church setting, catechism is, is simply a series of questions and answers. And so, uh, for instance, we do the New City Catechism in our home around the dinner table. And so I will ask the question, in fact, if you ask my four-year-old daughter, if you say, Clementine, what is uh, our only hope in life and death? My four-year-old daughter will respond that we are not our own, but belong to God. Mm. It's theologically absolutely true. Does she understand what she's saying? No, she doesn't have a clue what she's talking about. But one day she's going to have to answer the question, what's my only hope in life? What's my only hope in death? Mm. My only hope is that I'm not my own, but I belong to God. Mm. Um, she's gonna need that truth one day. Catechism is that that deep theological truths from God's word that is rehearsed and planted in our kids' minds, deep in their minds that one day will hopefully connect with their hearts. Yeah. See, so, and it's and it's fun. Kids love competition. They love when you say when you throw out the question and they know that there's a response. They love to be the one to raise their hand and say, ooh, I got it, I got it, I got yeah. it. You know, yeah. And it turns into a fun time as a family where you know, they're learning. And by the way, you're learning as well. Mm -hmm. It's really great to have those answers ready in the back of your mind. Catechism, you just go out and pick out a catechism book, Westminster Catechism. Uh, There's the New City Catechism like we use, which is really good as well and very
0: kid friendly. Yeah, so cool. All right, so uh, kind of close this up here. I wanted to give you a couple more websites for you to do some research and just some, some additional information and guidance. So one is wait until 8th org, Just really promoting waiting until after eighth grade uh, to give your kiddos a phone focus on the family has a parent's guide to technology. So if you do a Google, Google search for that, um, it gives you a lot of really good tips and techniques on how to manage uh, media exposure and smartphones, et cetera, with your family. Uh, another one that I just ran across recently, uh, we start now.org. I really encourage you to go check out that website they have a really cool plan for your family that uses start as an acronym. It's awesome. And then homeward, which is a, uh, a division of Azusa Pacific. Um, Jim Burns is the, the president of that organization. Um, a few of us on staff went to training uh, with Jim, um, lots of great books and resources there, um, on a range of topics. And also, here at our church. If you're, if you're wanting to start with something new, as far as family worship devotionals, we offer a family devotional that goes with our Sunday school curriculum. So you can just continue that conversation all week. So lots of resources that you have. So, and really it comes down to this. A lot of the data is saying that we have 12 years to lay a foundation. Mm. So zero to 12. And that's about when they go into junior high, when they get into junior high, The words that I've heard is they start to disown their parents' faith and they try to make it their own. So they're just rethinking like, do I really believe what my mom and dad have taught me to believe? And those are natural and it's healthy, but you've got zero to 12 to lay that solid foundation. And we really don't have time to waste when it comes to that. So we hope that you've been encouraged, challenged and motivated to lead your family through um, our tumultuous culture. Um, but you are not alone, and God has equipped you for the work to not only create a media-safe home, but to teach and disciple your children. We're here to help you do that, and we'll do it together because John and I and all of us are on the same <laughs> same mission. We're learning. We are learning a lot. Yes. Have a blessed week with your family. You've been listening to the LBC Podcast, the podcast of Lordland Bible Church in Bakersfield, California. If you like listening to this podcast, please share with a friend and hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all new podcasts. Thank you for listening and God bless you. We'll see you next time.